and welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson, and we've got another winner on the Florida Swing, the second event, Arnold Palmer Invitational, and the uh, the metronome, the Italian Detective. Shout out to uh, Michael Bamberger, who gave me that one. Uh, he, this has a, been an incredible, I guess, calendar year, if we take it all the way back for Francesco Molinari. So, Kyle, we've, uh, we, we'll get into the winner here in a little bit, but... What what were some of your your thoughts here as we look at Bay Hill? We had no Tiger. Um, we're, we've got some you know disappointments from uh, a Rory McIlroy. We've got uh, so a very Euro friendly leaderboard. By the time yeah. the things are done, like was I a little bit too was I I couldn't help but get a little uh, a little bit of Ryder Cup flair or rivalry. I mean, I feel like this we're too far away from the next Ryder Cup for me to start feeling that way. But I was like, man, America's getting its tail whooped in Florida and Paris. <laughs> well, it, two things. One, I don't know if anybody had Keith Mitchell and Adam Long as the low Americans. Seriously, Hill. that's not great. Is Keith Mitchell leading? Like, I like, guess he having the best Florida swing so far of anybody. Probably, yeah. I mean, yeah, because Fowler and Kepka didn't. I think Kepka, I think Kepka missed the cut. Fowler didn't. Fowler finished like T forty or T forty one, something like that. So yeah, Keith Mitchell's having a, a pretty good month. He got into the open. Uh, the uh, Bay Hill's a open qualifier now, so he got in. Sun J M got in, and Sun Kang got in to the Open Championship. So uh, pretty cool couple of week stretch for Keith Mitchell. But I mean. And this is what I was thinking about on Sun. Actually, I was thinking about this on Saturday. It was the conditions on Saturday. It was tough. Mm. I mean, the the greens were hard. The proximity to the hole average was, I think, the highest uh, of any day was on Saturday. It ro- it actually rose after the cut was made, which is not something you see super often. Thursday, Friday, I think it was like the average distance from the hole on approach shots was like 38, 39 feet. It rose to 41 feet on Saturday, and you could tell like guys could not stop balls on on the greens at Bay Hill, and it was kind of awesome. Like it was kind of it was kind of baked out, difficult. Greens were fast. Guys were having to hit shots. It felt, um, you know, obviously not major like, but if you juxtapose it against the players this week, which everybody keeps talking about, is going to be super soft. I, I think it felt more like a kind of championship style golf than maybe the even the players will and i think you saw the effects of that right who well, did you see at the top of the leaderboard all these europeans yeah. these guys that that we see over and over again play well in those types of conditions it was very un pga tour like conditions and that's why you see the Rory's, the Fleetwoods, the Molinari's at, at the top of that leaderboard the guys that uh it's it's not the point and shoot dark golf that always yeah. gets uh, attributed to American style. Well, what about this? Okay, so we know that um, the Bear Trap is scoring is what was it, one of the most difficult non-majors annually on the PGA Tour, mm-hmm. and we saw some difficult conditions here this week. Is I obvious? I am not the was it agro. I, I'm, I don't know what the uh, agriculture studies, <laughs> agroecology or something. I don't, I don't know all the grass stuff, but I know that that's a big part of the deep golf analysis. And like, is it possible that what we've seen from the last two weeks 
like the is that just is that just what the conditions are like in Florida right now, or uh, it because of watering and because of whatever uh, the PGA Tour wants to do with the players in terms of making sure that there's a lot of birdies? Like, are you expecting that Sawgrass will be soft as advertised, or is it possible that we're just seeing, uh, you know, based on weather and climate and everything else, just a little bit of a tougher Florida swing than we're used to? No, I, I think so much of it is control. I think you can you can you can so easily control what okay. your what your course does. Um, and I, and I was glad they did that at Bay Hill. You know, I, I, that's a place that I think it's got a pretty wide variety in terms of how easy or, or difficult it can play. And I love seeing it play tougher because I think it creates it creates a I don't know I don't know if truer is the right word, but a truer champion will say. And uh, I think a more interesting leaderboard and 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 not only that but just like kind of the way the tournament plays out okay so the way the tournament played out this thing was looking like uh rory was gonna absolutely run away with it and to have to have him not only uh not be in the mix because look francesco molinari shoots a 64 on sunday this goes back to the conversation that we have so many times like sometimes you've played uh, well enough to win, but someone was just uh, a couple strokes better or blacked out, fired 64, 63, 65. Losing a tournament to Francesco Molinari in that way does does not make for uh, something that I think you should hang your head at. But yet, as we as we continue to break Rory down and, and, and look at what his 2019 is going to hold, to have him... You know, and there was the going up against Dustin Johnson, and it felt like Rory wasn't really able to to hit the gas pedal. How how alarmed are you in terms of the continuation of this narrative for McElroy? Well, here, here's my thing, Chip, and I was saying about this on Sunday. It's like, okay, you look at Rory, and he's taught, he's number one on the PGA Tour in strokes gain. He's the best. I mean, you could argue he's been the best player in the world in 2019, but. Every it seems like we say this every Monday based on Sunday or Sunday night whenever we, we've taped these podcasts, we say, "Oh, well, he just got beat by a career day by fill in the blank." Xander in Hawaii, Dustin in Mexico, uh, JB on in at uh, Riviera, Molinari at Bay Hill, and it's like, at what point do you start saying, "Wait a second, why isn't Rory that guy?" Mm. Like, why isn't he the one having that performance? And I don't, I don't know. There, there's. It, oh, you so don't hard. have an answer for that. You're just gonna throw the question out. <laughs> yeah. Well, on Sunday, it, it's been different, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was a legitimate all-time performance from DJ in Mexico. Like it's, it was just, it was impossible. And he didn't play well on the front nine. I feel like people keep saying, "Oh, well, this is." You know, it's no big deal. Like, Rory's still playing well. And it's like, well, I've watched these Sundays. And while while people are right that it's not a big deal, there's also been opportunities for him to, to go, to get up and go. And he's not going. You know, he had an opening on the front nine in Mexico. Mm-hmm. DJ, went out, DJ went out in 35, even par. Rory went out in 36. That's that's nothing. Yeah, if you're trying to win a golf tournament, you got to shoot 32 or 33 he did, there. He did nothing on the front nine at Bay Hill for the first 14, 15 holes, really. I mean, he was just – it was just – there was just nothing there. And maybe he – maybe like 
I don't know. Maybe he's the guy now who like he's going to put himself in that position over and over and over again. And, and one out of every 10 is going to hit instead of one out of every three or two out of every five or, or whatever the number used to be. I just think we're so used to when he's in that position, he wins. And, you know, he's only done it, what, once in the last 16 months or so at Bay Hill last year when he shot the 64 in the final round. That was the Rory that that we know, that we've seen over the course of his career. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. He didn't any putts on Sunday. I mean, that was the big deal. He hit... He had a 25-footer, I think, on three, 27-footer, something mm-hmm. like that. 27-footer for birdie. And he gave it this cocky, like, subtle fist pump, like, I'm going to destroy everybody today. And then he did nothing for the next uh, 15 holes, you know? And didn't. I don't think he made a putt over six feet the rest of the way. I think that was the number. And he's he's hitting good shots. He's driving it great. Uh, he's hitting pretty, pretty decent, you know – not great, but decent approach shots. And I think he lost like two and a half strokes to the field on the greens on Sunday. So you're just, I mean, you're not, if you're not leading by three or four, you're not going to win a tournament like that. It's just, it's just not going to happen. He, he was um, pretty confident and uh, he said, I'm happy with everything. I think today I could have played the par fives better, but really apart from that, it was an unbelievable round for Francesco. I'm playing well. I'm getting myself into contention every week. I need to continue to do that going into next week. That's the great thing about golf. You don't have to wait too long to get back on the horse. So Rory McIlroy appears to have a mentality similar to you know, what you suggested, that he seems to, in, in his own analysis of his game, the thought is, if I'm in contention uh, 10 times, one of these is going to hit. And to to be in that spot and yet not to get the wins... Like has has Rory, with all of his mindfulness, evolved to golf uh, 2.0, where winning truly isn't everything? <laughs> you know what it kind of feels like, though. What? It feels a little like Fowler. Mm. Right. You know, Fowler's always like top five, top ten. You know, whatever. But you're you're never you rarely when he's playing or in contention are you like Ricky Fowler's definitely winning this golf tournament. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've sort of felt like that a little bit with Rory this year. And again, like this is analysis. This is not a that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that as if as if like it's the, the worst thing that you can be as a golfer or worst thing that you can do as a golfer. That's just sort of how I viewed it this year. And, and you know, maybe maybe all of this is leading to a player's win or to a master's win or something like that. Maybe that's the one that hits. And that goes back to like the arbitrary nature of golf of just like why why did the masters hit or why did the players hit and not Mexico and not Riviera? It's just it's I don't know. On some level it's so like ethereal that you're just like does any of this matter? Like you start, <laughs> right. you start asking these philosophical questions. <laughs> uh, but I do, I do think it matters and I think this matters with Ricky. I think it matters with Rory too. Like if you're putting yourself in that position over and over and over again, it's almost impossible to not win at some point. Right. At statistically speaking. And, uh, you know, so I, maybe we see that over the next few weeks, but maybe not. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think trying to decipher that and figure it out and dive into it and look at all the stats. I think that part of it is, that's what is so interesting to me about the sport. Um, Fowler, you mentioned n- no bueno, this week uh, finishes T40 
It's yeah. uh oh, and your uh your boy you mentioned last week, Oak State Amateur getting the uh, getting the invite here. Yeah, he tied Fowler, Victor Hovland. They were both. Oh, yeah, they him, <laughs> Hunter Mahan, and Ricky Fowler, three Oklahoma State guys at very different parts of their careers. All finished T40 at Bay Hill. Um, Eamon Lynch of Golf Week wrote a really good piece about Hovland, just talking about, you know, he looks like a pro. Like he 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 is a pro for all intent. I mean, obviously he's not getting paid, but he he is at some point going to turn pro and and uh, hopefully have have some success on on the PGA Tour. So, and he's not even the best player on his team right now because that's Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf, yeah, darn so, right. Uh, anything from Fowler that you, like Sunday was um, the like Ricky Fowler's tendency to to just throw a big number up on the board is not yeah. dissimilar from uh, many players in the, on the PGA Tour, especially when you're playing at a tough course in tougher conditions. But um, when Fowler's got the talent, the the, st- the statistical profile of someone who should be contending and winning, and obviously the uh, the reputation for it. Any that's again. I I I guess I'll ask the same thing with Rory. Is that is that an alarming continuation of a trend? Well, I I think for me with Fowler, it is. I was I was kind of following him on Sunday. He was four under through like fourteen, playing pretty well on a tough day. I think the scoring average was right at even par seventy two. And then all of a sudden he goes he goes double and then bogey. And he's back at even par, one under, or whatever. I just, it feels like the three over in two holes or four over in five holes is always lurking with him. Yep. Which is terrifying when you're playing a major, you're playing the players or something like that. Because, I mean, he, uh, what was it, Mexico? He played three events in a row. Oh, it was Phoenix. Phoenix, Mexico, and Honda. The last three events that he played before this one, he had, he had a triple in all of those. And somehow he won Phoenix with the triple, but that's it's just not a it. I don't know. It just always feels like the other shoe's about to drop with him, you know. Like in a good way or in a bad. Like you're you're just sort of crew. And if he has a good round going on the twelfth hole, that's what you mean. Like there's yeah yeah. I'm like oh, well, is is this going out of bounds? Like I just. When I when I watch him, I don't totally trust that he's going to have a clean card. Yeah. And if if that's the case, if you're blowing up and going, you know, four over in two holes, then you just, I don't know. It's just so easy to play your play yourself out of some of these tournaments. We'll get into the winner finally of the event, <laughs> Francesco Molinari. Right after this, Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Man, it's like uh, the Open Championship all over again. Open up the show talking about Tiger Woods. Yeah. Hit the break. And, and, and Rory and Justin Rose. And- yes. <laughs> um, the There is like, okay, so let me pull this up. Italian detective is so good, by the way. Yeah, Bamberger put this together. He said since May, uh, he's won in England, Washington, D.C., Scotland, and now Orlando plus Paris. Yeah. Yeah. He's Frankie's awesome. And, And here's the thing. I was talking about this on HQ this morning. You don't you don't see guys at the age of 36 make the leap that he's making. Mm. This is a, this is a, uh, age 26 year old leap or an age, even like 30 or 31. It's not a 36 year old leap. And so it's weird. Sean Martin did a really good piece last fall about how Frankie's picked up like 20 yards off the tee, which is really seemingly transformed him as a, as a player. I mean, he's just so, before he he was always like oh he's kind of like Fleetwood is right now you're like oh he's a good player but I don't you know he's not really he doesn't really win he's just kind of there like he's solid fun it's fun, yeah it's like great to watch him play it's fun when he gets hot but um the the winning of the last calendar year is stupid it's different yeah well and he he's so he's like a uh, I can't remember how I said this on on how I wrote this on Sunday but he's 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 always like you forget about him because he's like he doesn't talk very much and he's like a silent assassin on the leaderboard. You're just like, holy crap! Like what? What did I just watch? And it felt like I, it. It did feel like he was on 18, hitting his approach to 18, and I was thinking it feels like I'm watching the champion of this event. Mm. And then he hits the putt on 18. You're like, well, that, that's a that's wrap. a wrap. I, can, <laughs> I can go write my my grades. You know, I can go do my post. Uh, and I don't know. I think that trait of being kind of the silent assassin type where nobody's really like picking you and nobody's, you know, you're, you're just, you're not a big name. Like you're just not Des- despite what you've done. I, I think that's, that's where you, that's where, that's like the sweet spot. That's where you want to be. There's not a ton of expectations. You just go out and just, just kill. I mean, it was, he's, it was pretty awesome on Sunday. For someone who uh, reportedly once told another golfer that his plan was to retire soon, uh, go to Italian uh, coffee shops, and be an internet troll for the <laughs> for the rest of his life, he sure uh, he sure does let his game do the talking uh, over over anything uh, else. I for- I forgot about that quote. That's so good. And he now- finished he finished uh, top I think fourth in putting. <sighs> Which is stupid. I mean, if he's fourth in putting and you can just start engraving the trophy, that it's over with the way he hits it. Okay, so he's 36 years old. Francesco Molinari. Um, what's it? Let's see. What's his career wins? Well, he's got three on the PGA Tour. So he's got Quicken Loans. He's got the Open. And then he's got Bay Hill. He's got a bunch on on European tour. He won BMW PGA Championship last year. I I don't know seven eight nine on the on the European tour. Maybe more than that. I I don't know. I I don't I don't know the number there. Um, okay, so he's world number seven right now. Yeah, 
at the end of the 2019 calendar year, do you think that Francesco Molinari will be a top five player? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll say yes. Because that would that would require not only a continuation of the success, but also the idea that everyone else who's trying to be up there and compete for the top five that he is also finishing better than them in these events. Yeah, I know that's the hard part. He's got six European Tour wins if you include the Open, so that's kind of unfair to include it going both ways. He's won the Italian Open twice, the Spanish Open, HSBC. I forgot about that, uh, and then BMW PGA Championship. Like basically, do you think that this? Do you think that this jump that? Uh, do you think the jump is sustainable? And if not, or or if so, you know, what is the what's the half life? What's the end date on this? What's what is a, a real expectation for uh, how much damage the Silent Assassin can do uh, to the world golf rankings, to the major championships that are coming up? Like, are are we seeing a spark, or are we seeing a flame that's going to be lit for a while? No, I think I think it's a I think it's a couple year thing, and I think where you're going to see this play out, or where where it will play out if it plays out, is is at the majors. I was doing I don't know if you know this chip, but I was doing some masters research the other day, every day, and <laughs> uh, Molinari. I was trying to figure out like where to where to slot him for my for my um, ranking, ranking the, the field. field. Yeah, and he doesn't have a top ten at Augusta, but two of his career top fives or excuse me, top tens at majors. He's got, he's got five top tens at majors. I don't know if I said that right. He's got five top tens at major championships. Two of those have come in his last two events. So he won the open and then he finished T six at the PGA and he's played in a lot of majors. And so I think it's, I do think that's significant and I'm interested. I'm so interested to see how, like, is he somebody who can he, can he grab another couple of top tens? maybe three top tens at majors in 2019. I don't know. I mean, these fields are just sick. They're right. so good. Uh, but I would be, I would be concerned in a major field on a week where Francesco's putting well. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you three names. It feels like we haven't really uh, dug into in a while. You tell me who is the most likely to win a major this year ready can i give you uh his driving stats first for sure so driving distance he's still he's still so francesco monari is 117th on the pga tour in driving distance this year ah uh, i what what's the distance uh 290 something 290 the jumbling the jumbling of driving distances i've decided i'm i'm easing off on going hard on that as uh declarative when if if the dif- if the distance between number one seventeen and like number sixty five is ten yards, is it probably? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He he's averaging two ninety one off the tee. Now he hasn't played in very many events. Last year he averaged last year he averaged three oh one. So that was in twenty eighteen. Twenty seventeen he was two ninety one. So he he gained a legitimate. I, I I I'm throwing this year out because there haven't been enough events. Right. But he gained a legit nine eight eight yards on average, uh, from seventeen to eighteen. That's a big deal. That's a club. That's that's significant. The problem for me with him at Augusta is that it 
like part of his shtick, part of his deal is being accurate, like hitting like right down the middle of the fairway. And it doesn't matter at Augusta. I mean, obviously, Phil has three green jackets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it, Actually, what it matters does, it does is, matter, but it right, doesn't, right? Right. No, I mean, with, with those par fives, you just got to... With, with par fives that you can hit uh, your second shot from about anywhere and still yeah. probably have a chance to be able to put yourself in scoring position. No, no, no. It's actually perfect for the Phil Mickelson approach of like <laughs> the the Phil Mickelson who as we mentioned has just uh has gone the other way and just decided that he wants to crank up his swing speed and mash it as hard as possible. Forget about accuracy. Yeah, totally. Just uh, for yeah, it's just hit it as far as you can and try to do you remember uh, Phil on 15 a couple of years ago when Spieth won? And uh, oh, what did he say when he hit that approach to, uh, on 15 on Sunday? What did Phil No, I mean, I don't remember this off the top of my head. Oh, he said something like, uh, crap, people are going to remember this and I can't. He said something like, oh my gosh. Here, just... listeners, scream it into your phone or out loud at the gym. Just scream it. He said that is so good or something like that. Hold on, let me, let me Did he say up. tasty? Was that when he said, oh, that's tasty? No. no. I'll pull it up. What were you gonna what were you gonna ask me about about uh, Francesco? Bryson, Rom, Tony Finau. Three names all in the top fifteen that I feel like we have not that you know, because of their schedule or performance or some combination of the both. It feels like we haven't talked about them in a while. All top 15 players, and I guess all three are going to be in the field this week at the players, right? Bryson, Rom, Tony Fina. Yeah, they'll all, I mean, everybody will be there. So what? So of those three names that we haven't talked about in a while, who who do you have the most positive outlook for? I'm watching Phil on 15. <laughs> I can't find it. Uh, I've got the most positive outlook about probably Rom. Rom at number is, 10 in the world. Uh, yeah, this this is the whole like NBA draft, NFL draft thing where when a guy plays less, you're it's it's more curious or or it's easier to project like positive things. Oh, like I'm not going to throw, just look at the tape. Yeah. yeah. And like Bry- Bryson's been playing recently, he's not been playing very well. Played terrible in Mexico, didn't play well in Bay Hill. And you're like, "Okay, well, I guess, you know, I don't know what Rom finished in Mexico, but we haven't really seen him a ton. And uh, yeah, I think Rom could win. I think John Rom could win the Masters. John John Rom was uh, cruising last year, right? Uh, yeah. Well, he finished fourth. Right. He was so, so he was fourth. cruising until he got lost in the bushes. Yeah. Well, it, just, it happens. But I just yeah, I, I think that he. I think that John Rom will win a masters how about this i think john ron will win a masters before rory mcelroy wow yeah now i don't i think he may never make another cut at a u.s open but i think he'll win the masters that's a good take thank you yeah (laughs) um I'm not I'm not ready to go that far but I like it. I like it a lot. I'm going to by the way for to answer my own question, I'm going to go Finau. Mm. I would love uh I would love to get a, a Tony maybe maybe Tony Finau will be my uh Masters champ pick. Just go all in. 
He's got a Puerto Rico Open and a Masters. That would those be are, <laughs> amazing. Those are his two wins. I mean, that's as amazing as uh, as Brooks Kepka two wins, seven runner-ups in non-major PGA Tour events. Yeah, that's that is crazy. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, we'd spent. Uh, I spent. I know. I will speak for myself. I spent a lot of time talking about how crazy it was that this guy had major wins and no PGA Tour wins, and now I follow up, and it goes back to you know, whether the value of winning the fact that Brooks Kepka, yes, he didn't have all these wins, but it wasn't like he was stinking it up and not trying to win. Right. Um, yeah. Funny narratives. I am. I, I am like so deep on Google trying to find this Phil thing and I can't find it. And it's frustrating me. I'm afraid that you're forget. I'm afraid that you've got like one either year or hole off. And that's <laughs> it. Probably wasn't even Phil. It was like no, no, no. Tom, it, it was, was like a, Thomas Bjorn or something. It's a, it's a, it's a Phil. It's a Phil. It sounds like a Phil moment. It's, it's just going to be in a different Masters or at a different hole. Yes, definitely. Oh man. Um. All right. So we've got the players coming up this week. We'll be doing a more extensive preview on yep. Wednesday. As uh, yeah. so what sort of the burning questions in your mind right now? Well, um. I don't know. There's so many. I, I mean, and and I think my column on on Monday. I haven't written it yet, but I think that I'm going to write about how, like, there's there's going to be so much consternation this week. Oh, is the players a major? You know what what is it? Let's define it. And I think I think that here's my take on on this chip. And this is this is kind of half baked, but I'm I'm getting closer to it. Like, I think the concept of majors is kind of dumb because we 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 sort of like shoehorn these four tournaments into this one category and yet the chasm between the masters and uh let's say the the second best one we'll say the open is is less like what i'm trying to say is it like that chasm is less wide than the chasm between the third best one and the fourth best one, the U S open and the PGA championship. Right. And so like the fact that we ascribe them all the same terminology is sort of dumb to begin with. Right. Like you'd rather win, uh, uh, one masters than three PGAs. So like, are those really all in the same category? And so like whether we apply the major championship category to the players or not, I think is just, I think the whole thing is, stupid because i think the term the terminology of majors to begin with is dumb like i think i seriously i do like i think i think it's silly like why 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 are these four in the same category when one of them you'd rather win once than than another one three times the the players championship doesn't get the major distinction because it is not close enough to augusta which is the only other major that stays in the same place. And I think that like Augusta being the only major that doesn't rotate makes it sort of have this crown jewel iconic status, but we don't yeah. talk about the players like we talk about Augusta. And because of that, I think that that's I, like the distance between those two is what, 
probably is is drawing the line because PGA moves around uh, the Open. Now, granted, the Open has a very tight rotation, which yeah. you know gives it sort of its own iconic status because you build these memories and you come back to these courses. But um, yeah, I I think that that's what it is. It has to do with the location because it doesn't have the you know we're we're used to our our we're used to our Super Bowls moving around. We're used to our Final Fours moving around. You know we're we're used to seeing the event itself uh, sort of go on the road, and that's what's made the players definitely the fifth major. I mean, what do we say? It it qualifies as a major for the World Golf Hall of Fame, right? Well, yeah, and and I think I think what you're saying is a good point, and I guess my thing is like if 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 you're ranking like the, if you're doing a one to ten scale on like tournaments that you want to win, and the Masters is a ten, and let's say the PGA is like a seven, well, the players is like a six point eight, right, or, or whatever, and you're like, well, why is why is the PGA in the same category as the as the Masters, but the players isn't in the same category as the PGA? You know, like that, that's my whole deal. And, um, I don't know. I just, I I think that, I think that we, in moving around the other, at least the other American based majors, the PGA championship in the U S open in moving it around, they get to assert their own style for the tournament they want to host and take it to a lot of places, which not only is invigorating and refreshing for the players, but also allows you to connect with fans all over the country and sort of spread it out has such a huge impact on whatever local community they decide that they're going to land on and i mean let's sawgrass is kind of spoiled they're kind of used to it it's a little bit like everybody knows what to do everything it's and it's a amazing you've been there like you you had the blog cabin like it's (laughs) it when it's there it's amazing it's spring break it's the best thing ever but uh i think that the fact that it is uh that it isn't mixed up and it doesn't get refreshed and it doesn't get moved around. I, I think that that's probably keeping it from sort of elevating its status among the conversation. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's a good point. And I think we also do this thing where we, we look at titles. We look at, we look at names of tournaments instead of fields. Right. Like if you go, if you go in the mat, like let's say for whatever reason, the top 50 guys in the world this is an extreme example, but the top 50 guys in the world boycott the Masters this year. They don't go. And Charles Howell wins the Masters. You're like, okay, well, is that, what does that mean? Like, what is, we get so, what is the significance of this now? Well, we get so caught up in what is the name of the tournament you won instead of who are the guys that you beat. Mm. Is it is it harder to win a, a WGC or is it harder to win a PGA championship where 30 guys in the field are club pros? You know, like, yeah, I, I just I, I th- and, and this is a this is I'm speaking in favor of the players championship players championship players championship is a better field than the PGA championship. You don't have club pros. It's probably a better field than the U.S. Open because you don't have all these these amateurs that get in or guys that play their way in. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things. I like those things about those tournaments. I just think that um, we get so hung up on the name, the Players Championship, and don't look at the field. And I think you're right. Like I think Sawgrass. Like, and this is sort of what's frustrating me about this year. I don't want 20 under to win the Players Championship. I want it to be hard. I want it to. I want. 
I want Ken Duke shooting 65 when everybody else is shooting 78. Right. You know, like yeah. that's, that's awesome. And that's part of big time championship golf, whether you're calling it a major or not. I just think the whole construct of what is a major and what is not is, is just sort of dumb when there, there's no, like you're just roping in these four tournaments that are, we'll say like sevens out of 10 or higher and, and excluding everything else. And it's like, that's just, it's dumb. Like it's just an arbitrary way to look at it. Uh, well on Wednesday we'll get into the golf golf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm ranting now. I'm back on the rule. We can talk about the rules some more. We'll talk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. We'll be back on Wednesday with our picks and predictions for the players. The fifth major it's here. Thank you very much, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks chip. <laughs> <laughs>